0: chapter sixty two of uncle silas by joseph sheridan Le Fanu. this LibriVox recording is in the public domain chapter sixty two a well-known face looks in you who have never experienced it can have no idea how angry and frightened you become under the sinister insult of being locked into a room as on trying the door i found i was the key was in the lock i could see it through the hole i called after madame i shook the solid oak door beat upon it with my hands kicked it but all to no purpose i rushed into the next room forgetting if indeed i had observed it that there was no door from it upon the gallery i turned round in an angry and dismayed perplexity and like prisoners in romances examined the windows I was shocked and affrighted on discovering in reality what they occasionally find—a series of iron bars crossing the window. They were firmly secured in the oak woodwork of the window-frame, and each window was, besides, so compactly screwed down that it could not open. This bedroom was converted into a prison. A momentary hope flashed on me. Perhaps all the windows were secured alike but it was no such thing. These jail-like precautions were confined to the windows to which I had access. For a few minutes I felt quite distracted, but I bethought me that I must now, if ever, control my terrors and exert whatever faculties I possessed. I stood upon a chair and examined the oak-work. I thought I detected marks of new chiselling here and there. The screws, too, looked new, and they and the scars on the woodwork "'were freshly smeared over with some coloured stuff by way of disguise. "'While I was making these observations, I heard the key stealthily stirred. "'I suspect that madame wished to surprise me. "'Her approaching step, indeed, was seldom audible. "'She had the soft tread of the feline tribe. "'I was standing in the centre of the room confronting her when she entered. "'Why did you lock the door, madame?' she slipped in suddenly with an insidious smirk and locked the door hastily heesh be quiet shy will you and i will tell you everything presently she paused with her ear laid to the door now i can speak my chere i will tell you there is bailiff in the house two three four such impertinent fellows they have another as bad as themselves to make a list of the furniture we must keep them out of these rooms dear maud you left the key in the door on the outside i retorted that was not to keep them out but me in madame did i leave the key in the door ejaculated madame with both hands raised and such a genuine look of consternation as for a moment shook me it was the nature of this woman's deceptions that they often puzzled though they seldom convinced me I really think, Maud, all those so frequent changes and excitements they will overturn my poor heirs. And the windows are secured with iron bars. What are they for? I whispered sternly, pointing with my finger at these grim securities. That is for more than forty years when Sir Philip Aylmer was to reside here and had this room for his children's nursery, and was afraid they should fall out. But if you look, you will find these bars have been put here very recently. The screws and marks are quite new. Indeed, ejaculated Madame, with prolonged emphasis, in precisely the same consternation. Why, my dear, they told me downstairs what I have tell you when I asked the reason Let me see and madame mounted on a chair and made her scrutiny with much curiosity but could not agree with me as to the very recent date of the carpentry there is nothing i think so exasperating as that sort of falsehood which affects not to see what is quite palpable do you mean to say madame that you really think those chisellings and screws are forty years old how can i tell you what does signify whether it is forty or only fourteen years we have other thing to think about. Those villain men. I am glad to see bar and bolt and lock and key at least to our room to keep such fellows out. At that moment, a knock came to the door, and Madame's nasal "E moment!" answered promptly, and she opened the door stealthily, popping out her head. Oh, that is all right. Go you long, nothing more. Go away who's there i cried hold your tongue said madame imperiously to the visitor whose voice i fancied i recognised go away out slipped madame again locking the door but this time she returned immediately bearing a tray with breakfast i think she fancied that i would perhaps attempt to break away and escape but i had no such thought at that moment she hastily set down the tray on the floor at the threshold locking the door as before. My share of breakfast was a little tea, but madame's digestion was seldom disturbed by her sympathies, and she ate voraciously. During this process there was a silence unusual in her company, but when her meal was ended she proposed a reconnaissance, professing much uncertainty as to whether my uncle had been arrested or not. And in case the poor old gentleman be put in what you call stone jarg, "'Where are we to go, my dear Maud, to Knoll or to Elverston? "'You must direct.' "'And so she disappeared, turning the key in the door as before. "'It was an old custom of hers, locking herself in her room "'and leaving the key in the lock, "'and the habit prevailed, for she left it in there again. "'With a heavy heart I completed my simple toilet, "'wondering all the while how much of Madame's story might be false "'and how much if any true then i looked out upon the dingy courtyard below in its deep damp shadow and thought how could an assassin have scaled that height in safety and entered so noiselessly as not to awaken the slumbering gamester then there were the iron bars across my window what a fool had i been to object to that security i was labouring hard to reassure myself And keep all ghastly suspicions at arm's length. But I wished that my room had been to the front of the house, with some view less dismal. Lost in these ruminations of fear, as I stood at the window, I was startled by the sound of a sharp tread in the lobby, and by the key turning in the lock of my door. In a panic, I sprang back into the corner, and stood with my eyes fixed upon the door. It opened a little. And the black head of Meg Hawkes was introduced. Oh, Meg! I cried. Thank God! I guessed twas you, Miss Maud. I am feared, Miss. The Miller's daughter was pale, and her eyes, I thought, were red and swollen. Oh, Meg! For God's sake! What is it all? I don't come in. The un has gone down and locked the cross door, and left me to watch. They think I care not about you no more'n themselves. "'I dunna know all, but somewhat more, "'na her. "'They tell her nowt she's—' "'They say she's not safe, "'an awful quarrelsome. "'But I hear a deal when Father and Master Dudley "'be a-talking in the mill. "'They think, coming in and out, "'I don't mind. "'But I put one think and t'other together. "'And don't ye eat nor drink nowt here, miss. "'Hide away this. "'Is black enough, but wholesome anyhow.' "'And she slipped a piece of a coarse loaf "'from under her apron. "'I didn't mind.' Drink out by the water in the jug there it's clean spring oh meg oh meg i know what you mean said i faintly ay miss i'm feared they'll try it they'll try to make away with you somehow i'm going to your friends out o' dark i don't try it sooner i'll get away to elliston to your lady cousin and i'll bring em back with me in a ring so keep a good eye at last. meg hawkes will stand ye. you were better to me than feather and mother and all and she clasped me round the waist and buried her head in my dress and i'll give my life for you darling and if they hurt you i'll kill myself she recovered her sterner mood quickly not a word lass she said in her old tone then she'll try to get away they'll kill you you can't do it leave her to me it won't be whatever it is till two or three o'clock in the morning i'll have them a year long afore to so keep a brave heart there's a darling i suppose she heard or fancy she heard a step approaching for she said Hish! her pale wild face vanished the door shut quickly and softly and the key turned again in the lock meg in her rude way had spoken softly almost under her breath but no prophecy shrieked by the pythoness ever thundered so madly in the ears of the hearer. I dare say that Meg fancied I was marvellously little moved by her words. I felt my gaze grow intense and my flesh and bones literally freeze. She did not know that every word she spoke seemed to burst like a blaze in my brain. She had delivered her frightful warning and told her story coarsely and bluntly, which, in effect, means distinctly and concisely and I dare say the announcement so made, like a quick, bold incision in surgery, was more tolerable than the slow, imperfect mangling which falters and recedes and equivocates with torture. Madame was long away. I sat down at the window and tried to appreciate my dreadful situation. I was stupid. The imagery was all frightful. But I beheld it, as we sometimes see horrors, heads cut off and houses burnt in a dream and without the corresponding emotions it did not seem as if all this were really happening to me i remember sitting at the window and looking and blinking at the opposite side of the building like a person unable but striving to see an object distinctly and every minute pressing my hand to the side of my head and saying oh it won't be it won't be oh no never it could not be and in this stunned state madame found me on her return. But the valley of the shadow of death has its varieties of dread. The horror of great darkness is disturbed by voices and illumined by sights. There are periods of incapacity and collapse, followed by paroxysms of active terror. Thus, in my journey, during those long hours I found it, agonies subsiding into lethargies, and these breaking again into frenzy. I sometimes wonder how I carried my reason safely through the ordeal. Madame locked the door and amused herself with her own business without minding me, humming little nasal snatches of French airs as she smirked on her silken purchases displayed in the daylight. Suddenly it struck me that it was very dark considering how early it was. I looked at my watch it seemed to me a great effort of concentration to understand it four o'clock it said four o'clock it would be dark at five night in one hour madame what o'clock is it is it evening i cried with my hand to my forehead like a person puzzled two three minutes past four it had five minutes to four when i came upstairs answered she without interrupting her examination of a piece of darned lace which she was holding close to her eyes at the window oh madame madame i'm frightened cried i with a wild and piteous voice grasping her arm and looking up as shipwrecked people may their last to heaven into her inexorable eyes madame looked frightened too i thought as she stared into my face at last she said rather angrily and shaking her arm loose what do you mean child? oh save me madame oh save me oh save me madame i pleaded with the wild monotony of perfect terror grasping and clinging to her dress and looking up with an agonized face into the eyes of that shadowy atropole save you indeed save what naiserie oh madame oh dear madame for god's sake only get me away get me from this and i'll do anything you ask me all my life i will indeed madame i will oh save me save me save me i was clinging to madame as to my guardian angel in my agony and who told you child you are in any danger demanded madame looking down on me with a black and witch-like stare i am madame i am in great danger oh madame think of me take pity on me i have none to help me there is none but god and you madame all this time viewed me with the same dismal stare like a sorceress reading futurity in my face well maybe you are but how can i tell maybe your uncle is mad maybe you are mad you have been my enemy always why should i care again i burst into wild entreaty and clasping her fast poured forth my supplications with the bitterness of death i have no confidence in you little maud you are a little rogue petite traîtresse. reflect if you can how you have always treat madame you have attempt to ruin me you conspire with the bad domestics at know to destroy me and you expect me here to take your part you would never listen to me you had no mercy for me you joined to hunt me away from your house like wolf well, what do you expect to find me now? This terrific bah, with a long nasal yell of scorn, rang in my ears like a clap of thunder. I say you are mad, petite insolente, to suppose I should care for you more than the poor hare it will care for the hound, more than the bird who has escaped will love the wasle. I do not care, I ought not care it is your turn to suffer lie down on your bed there and suffer quietly chapter sixty two